You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. While you're turning there, anybody have any questions about what you just saw? Just take a second. Yes, ma'am. That's called beetle nut. They take a, a, a little nut thing, they chew it, they, they peel it, chew the inside of it, then they put lime like you put in your garden. They call it in Spanish cal. Uh, and uh, they put that all together, chew it, turns everything red, and spit it everywhere. So there are no clean places. Yeah, they do it in the Philippines. They do it in a lot of any tropical country where it grows. But it's really, really big in our place. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. The Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Lord, I pray you're blessed tonight. Uh, Thank you for getting us here safe. Thank you for the people that are here brave the storm, the weather, and I pray, God, that you'd bless them. I pray, God, you'd be a help to them. I pray, God, that you'd help this, uh, the words that you put in my heart come out my mouth properly. Go down into their ears and into their heart and do the work that you have planned for it. Help us to learn to please you and to bless you and to thrill your soul. I pray these things for Jesus' glory. Amen. I want to just preach you tonight on blessing, a pleasing blessing and thrilling the soul of God. Do you know God has a soul? Uh, if you have a body and you have a spirit, you have a soul. And, and Jeremiah 5.9, Jeremiah 5.29, Jeremiah 9.9, Leviticus 26.11, those are just a few places where it refers to the soul of God. And our soul is made in his likeness. In other words, you know, in Genesis 1.26, we're made in the likeness of God. Do we have the same emotions as God? He gets angry just like we get angry. Except he does it without sin. Um, he knows joy. You know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He knows the lack of joy. He knows peace. He's the God of peace. He has all the same emotions we have, yet without sin. In fact, in Exodus 34, 14, it says, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And the thing I want to get across to you tonight is that we can affect his soul. You can have an effect on the soul of God. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against us there is no law. And we want to have these things in our lives. It's good to get those things. It's good to get love. But the Bible says very clearly it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's what the Lord says. I said, what does that mean? Well, let me illustrate it for you. I think you'll do. I want to give you $5. Is that a blessing? That's a blessing. Okay. You know what kind of blessing that is? That's a temporal blessing. Why? Because her sisters have already got their eyes on it. They're already planning how they're going to get away with it. Mom and dad are going to say something dumb like save it for college. 
By the time she's ready to college, it won't be worth a nickel. You know, let her spend it, you know. But whatever happens, that $5 is only going to last a little while. But there was another blessing you couldn't see. And that's the blessing I get by giving it to her. And see, that's an eternal blessing. Why? You can't take my blessing. My blessing's not going away. See, her, that, that, the blessing she just got is temporal because you can see it. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, For we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. If the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If you can see it, it's not going to last very long. We can please the Lord and we can bless his soul, but not in the flesh. So the name that are in the flesh cannot please God. So our soul is designed to bless his soul. See, that's what a good marriage is. You know, a regular marriage is just flesh joining flesh. But, if you, but after a while, if you really find your soulmate, then you've got soul joining soul. And when it really gets good is spirit joining spirit. And then you have a real marriage. So I want to talk about pleasing God. Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not possible in the flesh. It's not possible without faith. It must be in the unseen realm. And it says here in this verse, we must believe two things. That God is the one we can't see. We've got to believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's believing in the unseen Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's the one thing, and that is he, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to believe that to please God. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. See, the verse before this, verse 5 by faith, Enoch was translated he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. How? Just walking with God by faith uprightly. If you read the book of Jude, it, tell, it gives us the only sermon of Enoch's that's preserved for us. And if you, the main word in that sermon is what? Ungodly. This ungodly, that, these ungodly, this ungodly, ungodly. He walked with God, and his evaluation of everything else was, it's not like God. It's ungodly. We're to walk with God to please God. It just, have you just ever had somebody be a blessing to you? I mean, not just stuff, but just, just being a blessing to him. We have a chance to bless his soul and to please him. Jesus pleased his father. See, uprightness pleases God. 1 Chronicles 29, 17, And also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. And Jesus pleased his father. Matthew 3, 17, and the low, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And by his grace, I want to please him. That's why we're here. That's why God created us. Revelation 4, 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. 
For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. When you don't please God with your life, you've wasted your life. You are not doing what God has designed you to do. God designed a fish to swim in the ocean. God designed a fish to swim in my boat. God designed a fish to swim in my frying pan. And God designed a fish to swim in my belly. And when it gets in my belly, that fish has fulfilled its mission in life. (laughs) And our mission in life is to please God. And by his grace, I want to please him. Whatever it takes. Colossians 1.10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's why I'm a missionary, to please him. I don't say you have to be a missionary to please God. I'm a missionary because that's the will of God for my life. That's the call of God for my life. That's what God has showed me. That's the only thing I can do to please God is what you just saw right there. Helping those Ottawa's and those Arups to know and enjoy God forever. To be saved, to grow, to become a friend of God, to learn how to please God. That's my mission in life. That's what I have to do to please God. And you need to find out what you need to do to please God. Fruitful, knowing him and pleasing him. For it is, of God, or it is God who's working in you both to do, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. By being a missionary, I please God by supporting missionaries. I'm just not on the receiving end. I support missionaries. The Bible, Jesus told that man, you could have at least put my money in the bank. You could have at least put my talent in the bank. And if you don't know what to do, put your, put, invest your time and your talents into somebody that does and let them. That's why I support missionaries. I support missionaries all the world. I give the faith promise our church supports missionaries all over the world. Why? I want to please God. Then there's blessing the soul of God. It's just the next step. Look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103. That word blessed has a couple different meanings. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's Psalm 103. One, look at verse 22. Bless the Lord, all his works are in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Look at Psalm um, 104, verse 1. Bless the Lord, all my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. It's not just to, to, to please God, but to bless God. Now, that word bless has a couple different meanings. I mean, the Bible says the less is always blessed of the better. It's not like we're bestowing a blessing upon God. That's a different definition. That's a different meaning. That's when like you bless somebody, um, like, you, like Jacob blessed his children. That's a different kind of blessing. That's when God blesses us. That's a different, that's a different thing than blessing the Lord is being a blessing to God. Just being a blessing to him. Just believing him and doing what he said. Not only to please him, but to really bless his soul. Have you ever had someone just be a blessing to you? See, it blesses the Lord when you really 
really trust him when everything's against you. And it doesn't look like there's any reason you should be trusting God. Everything's going wrong, everything's going bad, and all you can say is, all things work together for good, them that love God and them that are according to his purpose. God, I love you. I know I'm doing what you want me to do. And I'll leave it up to you to figure out how to work this thing out for good. It doesn't really matter. I don't need to know as long as you know. That's a blessing. Jacob was a blessing to God because he wouldn't quit. He was wrestling with the angel of the Lord and he would not quit. And it wasn't the devil trying to make him quit. It was God. God was trying to make Jacob quit and Jacob said, I'll not quit until you bless me. And that blessed the soul of God. He even put his thigh out of joint. Genesis 32, 26, and the Lord, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. It wasn't so much the blessing that he sought, but that the Lord knew Jacob knew he could not and would not leave without it. Jacob said, I'm not going without your blessing. I am not continuing in my life without God's blessing upon me. I'm not going to do it. And that determination in his soul, despite the pain, despite his, his, his thigh being put out of joint, bless the Lord. That we put all our hope, all our hope on him, blesses his soul. That we put all our eggs in one basket, and that's him. See, Jacob had no plan B. Laban was on this side, they just made a deal. You don't come my side, I don't come your side. So that door's shut. He's got Esau. He hears Esau's coming with 400 men. The last thing he heard from Esau is, my father's going to die and I'm going to kill my brother. And he's between a rock and a very rock, hard place. And he says, I'll just turn to the rock. And he said, God, I'm not going to the left hand. I'm not going to the right hand unless you bless me. I have no plan B. See, it's our plan B's that keeps us from blessing God's soul. When you've got it figured out and you can do what you can do, and that's what prevents God from, from getting a blessing from your life. I want to be a blessing to God's soul. I don't care how much pain, I don't care how much hardship, separation from the family. Paul was beaten, he was shipwrecked. 2 Corinthians 11, 22 to 31, it gives his testimony of all the things that Paul went through. You know what he said in verse 31? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I not lie. All he cared about was that God got blessed because he was doing it. It's not the suffering that we go through that blesses him. It's, it's our patience and trust during the hardships. 1 Peter 2.20, for what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you should take it patiently? But if and when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. See, I have what, I mean, this is what I call it. I just call it the missionary acid test. And how I can tell if a missionary is a lifer or not, if he's there forever or if he's just there for a little while, it usually comes down to one word, and that's grandchildren. As soon as he has grandkids, then there's some reason that he has to go back home. You know, I took my kids and had some more on the mission field. We had nine kids. 
And I denied my parents and her, my wife's parents the privilege of seeing their grandbabies grow up. And now when I have grandchildren, now the Lord's not worth it? Just stick with what God gave you to do. Patiently, like Joseph did. God told Joseph they're going to bow down to you. And they did bow down to him. But there was so much stuff in between. Joseph is in a pit, listening to his brothers, planning how they're going to kill him. And they let him out of that pit, and I can see the relief on his face. And he said, well, you guys really had me going. And then the handcuffs go on. And they drag him off. And just that look of betrayal on his face. I'm sure that haunted those brothers. And then he gets a good position. He gets a good place at Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife messes it up. And then he's in the prison. He interprets a dream. He says, remember me to Pharaoh. I'll remember you to Pharaoh. Two years later, God keeps taking away hope. God keeps giving hope and taking away hope. But through the whole thing, Joseph said, they're going to bow down. And they did. They did. Job blessed the soul of God. He just kept trusting him. He said, hast thou considered my servant Job? My main job as a missionary is to leave things to him. Just do what he tells me and leave the results to him. I don't get discouraged that we have a small group of people. I don't get discouraged if people aren't quite getting it and all that kind of... I just do what I'm supposed to be doing, preach what I'm supposed to be preaching, stay in fellowship with God, and leave the results to Him. So I can please Him. So I can please His soul. So I can bless His soul. And the mark I'm shooting for is to thrill his soul. I want to thrill the soul of God. Look at Ruth, chapter 1. I just don't want to live through life. Ruth chapter 1, look at verse 16 and 17. Familiar verses, mostly because this is what we use at weddings. Completely out of context, but that's okay. And Ruth said, she's talking to Naomi. Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God shall be my God, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If aught but death part me and thee, thee and me. This is Ruth. She's a Moabitess. She's not even allowed to be in Israel. What does she know of the God of Israel? What does she know of the Lord? Well, her first exposure to the Lord is these people come from the Lord's place because there's a famine in his land. That's not a real good advertisement for a God that he can't even feed his own people and they have to come down here. You know, the skeptics had a time with that. And then she watches that God let her father-in-law die, her brother-in-law die, her husband die. And then her mother-in-law says, go get a life. Go get another husband. Go enjoy your life. I'm going back. 
All she knew about our God was death, famine, death, death. Her sister-in-law forsook him. And you know what she said? (laughs) She said, don't ask me to go. I want that God. I want him. Don't you know that thrilled the soul of God? Just, just bad, 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 everything, just negative. Nothing positive to grab onto. And she said, I want him. That just thrills me just thinking about it. God used her to produce a king. And in that king, she held in her arms Obed. And in Obed, in seed form, was David. You know, there's a verse in 1 Samuel 17, 12. It's the best verse in the Bible for depression. If you get depressed, because the reason people get depressed is either a physical problem or spiritually you get depressed because you're looking at results. And you're not seeing the results you think you should be seeing. And you get discouraged and you get depressed. 1 Samuel 17, 12 said, at the end of it, it says, and it's talking about when David was about to be anointed. It said, Jesse went for an old man in those days. I don't know what your definition of an old man is, but if God says you're an old man, you're up there. And I don't know what your definition of an old man is, but if you call a man an old man, it's more probable that his grandmother's dead than alive. What's that? What are you saying? I'm saying the purpose of God in Ruth's life, in Naomi's life, was p- to produce a king. And they never knew it. Their whole life, they never understood why what happened, happened. God worked it out for good, and it was two generations later. And they were gone. They never saw it. You don't have to see it. I don't know that in this room right now might be a Moses. I might affect somebody with something I say tonight. I might affect somebody that's gonna, that God's going to use to set a fire in this country. I don't know. It's not my business. My business is to do what God wants me to do and leave the results to him. The Syrophoenician woman did the same thing. And uh, you can look it up in Matthew 15, 22 through 28. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, I need something. And Jesus said, you're not even on the waiting list. I came to the lost house of Israel. I did not come to give the children's bread to dogs. He called her a dog. She didn't say racist, bigot, I'll sue. She said, yeah, Lord, but (laughs) everybody feeds their dogs. I'm your dog. I just want the crumbs. She thrilled the soul of God. He said, whatever you want, you can have. I want to do that. I want to thrill the soul of God. I want to do something so much the way he said it. She just kept coming and kept believing. See, what Jesus did, Jesus went to her area. Jesus, the way he works, he gets in the neighborhood, he gets close, but it's up to you to come to him. She came to him, and she was rebuffed, but she just kept coming, and she just, what, what the Bible said in Romans 11, uh, for, uh, Hebrews eleven six, diligently seeking. Have you ever known the thrill of just being loved? No matter how hard you are and how, how rough you are. I mean, 
you know, you know, I got my wife for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I never do. I never do. I don't get her anything. Anything that anytime the world expects me to do something, I don't do that. I get her things when I want to get her things. And I wrote her up well, just because I wanted to. I wrote her a poem one time. I write, do that every once in a while. I write her poems. And the name of this poem was, If I Could Please Jesus Like You Please Me. You know, I'm rough on you, I'm hard on you, but just, just keep loving me. If I could please Jesus like you please me, what a blessed eternity it'd be. And on and on, I won't read it to you, I won't bother with it. I want to thrill the soul of God. I want to love him just for who he is and be a called according to his purpose. I showed you Patrick Colong up there. The guy just goes all over the place, walking everywhere, preaching the gospel. He said, if God can save me, God can save anybody. You'd have to understand his story. Now, you're going to get this wrong in your mind. You're going to get the wrong picture in your mind when I tell you what Patrick used to be. Patrick used to be what we call a manmeri. Uh, the best word in English is transvestite, cross-dresser, you know, man that wears women's clothes or women that wear men's clothes, transvestites, cross-dressers, you know. First time I saw him, he was carrying a statue of Mary on his head, leading the parade, you know, dressed like a woman. His, his, his dad had, his mom and dad had a girl, a boy, a girl, and a bunch of boys, and he was down toward the end, so he started helping his mom do dishes, he just started, and pretty soon he just put on girls' clothes and just, he, he bathed with the women, he ate with the women, he did everything with the women, and they accepted him as a woman. His brothers used to beat him and say, you're going to change Finally, he got tired of me and said, you beat me again, I'll, I'll drink poison rope, which is how they commit suicide over there. So they left him alone. One of my kids invited him to the church. Now, you got to understand, in Papua New Guinea, see, now when I, when I say the reason you get this wrong, because you're thinking, oh, he's gay. He wasn't gay, as the word is, you know. I mean, later, after he got saved, he got married, and when he, on his wedding night, I'm sure he was as pure as any other, or more, probably more pure than anybody here, <laughs> you know, on his wedding night. It's just, that's just the way he was. And everybody accepted that. Except me, I, I'm kind of, you know. <laughs> but my kids invited him to church. Now in our church at Sarah, we had three sections. The door right here, we had, this section was where the men all sat. This section was where the women sat. And over here was kind of the overflow where the nursing mothers, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And the little kids sometimes were over there. He sat over there with the ladies. And during our song service, he was shivering, shaking. Wednesday night, I remember. And he never came back for about six months. And then he came back, started coming back again. And it looked like he was going to get saved. Uh, this was when we were still in Sarah. Um, there was another guy, a national guy in Candrian. And they were having a ladies' meeting. Tina was going to be teaching at the ladies' meeting. He came to Tina and said, I want to go to the ladies' meeting. Tina came to me. He's not going to the ladies' meeting. He's not a lady. And I'll tell you what else. If he wants to get saved, I'm not dealing with him. That's a man. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, right. And this, the pastor was his brother, older brother, one of the ones who used to beat him. He didn't want, I knew he didn't want to deal with him. So I said, okay, Brother Joe, here's what we'll do. Because I usually gave the invitation. If somebody came forward, he'd take him out and deal with him. I said, looks like Patrick's about ready to get saved. If, if he comes forward, what we'll do is you take over the invitation, I'll go deal with him. He said, that's a good idea. Yo, that's a good idea. <laughs> he didn't want to deal with him. Sure enough, he come. And I got, I mean, that morning I was hard. I preached on just on that sort of stuff and anything i just gig every time i could 
And then when he'd come forward, I took him outside, took him across the street to the, to the pastor's house underneath. We sat down, and I don't usually do it. Someone once comes to get saved, I try to just help him get saved. This guy, I didn't. This guy, I was hard on him. I got right in his face, and I said, your life is calling God Almighty a liar. He made you a man, and you're acting like a woman. And he's just getting ashen, you know. And, and I get all done, I said, you still want to get saved? He said, yeah. I said, okay. Then he knew what to do. We prayed. And while he's praying, you know, I'm supposed to be rejoicing with the angels in heaven and all that. The thought that's running through my mind is, could you put a little bass in your voice at least, you know? He's got the false set on. He's praying, asking God to save him. You know, I'm not the most spiritual. I'm not trying to present myself as a spiritual giant. I mean, I have the same problems you have. So we go in and we tell him. And he used to use another name that was a girl's name. And the pastor got up and says, his name's Patrick. We no longer use that name anymore. Sunday night he came back to church. He was still dressed like a girl because that's all the clothes he had. I was standing here and Pastor Joe was sitting down here and he walked through the door and I could tell, and I could see him, Pastor couldn't see him, and it was just the indecision in his eyes. And I saw him at the door when he looked to the girl's side, looked at the men's side, looked at the girl's side, and sat down the men's side. And I just started crying right there. So Pastor Joe, he started crying. Man, Monday we heard he was carrying stuff on his shoulder instead of on top of his head. Wednesday night, our church isn't anything like this. Our church was, you know, open sides. And, you know, and, and we have a, had a little railing and main road went by. I used to lean on that, you know, Wednesday night waiting for people to get to church, you know, and everybody's late. And the Chinese guy from the logging camp would drop off workers and he'd tease me and say, you have no customers, you have no customers, because <laughs> nobody's at church yet, you know. I see one of our girls walking down the down the road with this guy and I didn't think much of it because they're all cousins they're all related they're walking by and I know she's going to come into church and he's going to keep going but this guy just got, come in blue jeans you know and a man shirt it's Patrick and he just grew and grew and grew and now he's one of my two best preachers certainly certainly the one that goes after you know what his testimony is if God can save me God can save anybody and he goes after him. I want to thrill God's soul. I don't say it lightly. When the world thinks I shouldn't and, and says he doesn't even care, I know he cares. When he plays the part of the hard man to my soul. We've been through some things. I had a daughter had to have a bone marrow transplant. All through it, what we kept saying was, God, you do what you want to do. Do it for your glory. Use our family for your glory. I want to thrill him by just trusting him in everything. But let me tell you about a man that thrilled him more than anybody else. And that man was Jesus Christ. He pleased him, he blessed him, and he thrilled his soul. Because in a garden he prayed, not my will but thine. And he knew they were going to beat him. They knew, he knew they were going to rip the hair out of his face. They knew... He knew that, that, that uh, he was going to be scarred forever. Forever. I mean, we don't ever think about this. Maybe you never thought about this, but we know when he, was, when he was raised from the dead that he had the scars in his hands and his feet and his side. But what makes you think he didn't have scars everywhere else? The Bible says his visage was so marred they didn't even know him for a man. You know, John told Peter, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. 
you know, cast your net on the other side. It's the Lord. They went in there, and what's the Bible say? When they got there, they were afraid to ask if it was him. Why? They didn't recognize him. He was so marred. When you get to heaven, the only scars you're going to see are the ones that got you there. Why did he do that? Because he loved his father. Isaiah 53.10, it said, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It didn't please the Lord to see him suffer. The reason it pleased the Lord to to bruise him is because it gave him the opportunity to thrill his soul. God God the Father gave Jesus the opportunity to thrill his soul. You know what he said about Job? He said, have you considered my servant Job? But when he talked about Jesus, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. They pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's what I want. I want to love the Lord like that. Greater love hath no man than a man lay down his life for his friend. Now, we, we see that the way it's meant for us to see that, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us as a friend. But the thing that thrills God is he laid down, he showed that greater love. The greater love was to us, but it was a greater love to the Father. Because he laid down his life for the Father, too. Because the Father asked him to do it. Not my will, but thy will be done. He laid down his life to save us, but he laid down his life because he loved his Father. And he said, not my will, but thine be done. That's what I want to do. I want to bless him. I want to please him. And I want to thrill his soul. Now, what about you? What are you going through right now? Is it hard? Is it hard? It might just be a chance for you to please God. It might just be a chance for you to bless the Lord. It might possibly be a chance for you to thrill his soul. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't say, God, get rid of this. Get this out of my life. God, take this away. No, it's God. Give me the grace to trust you with this. Joseph wasn't spending all his time saying, God, get me out of here. God, get rid of Joseph was just doing what God gave him to do. Job, now he did complain a little bit. (laughs) But he didn't accuse the Lord falsely. I don't know what you're going through. I can't understand what you're going through. The only way I can possibly understand what you're going through is to go through it myself, and I don't want to. <laughs> but what I do know is, if you just hang on and trust God, God's going to turn it and use it for good. And you might find out when you face him that you thrilled his soul. The Bible says every one of us shall give account of himself to God. If you're saved, 
you've been born again because you've accepted that sacrifice Jesus made on Calvary, you've got eternal life and you're going to heaven. You're born in the family of God. But the question is, what kind of child are you? And when the trumpet sounds and we meet Jesus and you look into his face for the first time, what is the look on his face going to be like? One of disappointment? Or one of thrill to see you? There's a preacher down in South Carolina. He's a friend of mine. He came over to New Guinea to preach one time, and I translated for him. We became good friends. I came back. He started supporting me. And last furlough, uh, the reason I wasn't here, I just took a short six-month furlough. I didn't get around to everybody. I was more trying to raise more support. Now I'm trying to get the prayer base back up, trying to hit every of our supporting churches so you can know me again. But I was down in his area, and I called him and said, I'm going to be in your area. And this area. He said, Brother Gerard, when you... Just come. Whenever you're here, you'll preach. Just come. So I said, well, I'm going to be here this certain night. He didn't even write it down or anything. So I get to church. There's a Sunday evening. I get to church early, and, and I'm standing out there, and he pulls up, and he sees me. And I'm telling you, his face just lit up. I mean, a smile like you wouldn't believe. And he come and run, run and hug me and was laughing and hugging me and so glad to see me again. And the thought that's running through my mind is, that's the look I want to see on Jesus' face when I meet him. I don't want him to look at me and say, man, so many chances I gave you to be a blessing to me. So many chances I gave you to please me. So many chances I gave you to thrill my soul and you threw them all away. I don't want that. I want to please him. I want to bless him. And someday, I would really like to thrill his soul. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.